0: This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage, and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. Nadia Watt, who is she? She's the CEO of Thomson Hospital Kota Damansara, Group Chief Executive Officer, TMC Life Sciences Berhad, Director of the Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia, and mentor with Endeavour Malaysia. Now, how has life sciences and the medical industry become more prevalent, and what is its future? Uh, good morning, Nadia. Um, You know, I was looking at your your profile. You have a Bachelor's in Biochemical Sciences from Harvard University and a Master's in Public Health Nutrition from the University of London and ended up with your first job at Boston Consulting Group. Was that part of the game plan? There was
1: no plan. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Um, So... It should be reassuring to know that, you know, you're not the only one who has lost. Um, so basically, I um, uh, when I was choosing, I guess, my undergraduate degree, I I, I knew that I wanted to do science and biology um, was a favorite. But my mom was convinced I would make a terrible doctor um, because I was not very patient. And she said, you know, your patients would just hate you. Um, and she encouraged me actually to go towards biotechnology. So I, I got my scholarship to study biotechnology and went to Harvard. And while at Harvard, worked at Boston Children's Hospital um, in a virology lab uh, for four years. And I realized there that research was not for me. And so what had happened was the um, summer before I graduated, I came back home and I was chatting with the president of the Harvard Club of Malaysia, Tan Sri Dr. Lin Sien. And he said, well, why don't um, you know, you um, try interning at a consulting group because, you know, they take all kinds of people. And uh, so I did that uh, my junior year summer. And at the end of it, they offered me a job. Uh, and I, um, I think I was just, you know, homesick, wanted to come home and, um, you know, looking to explore something outside of uh, working in the lab. And I came back to work for BCG. Uh, and um, I think, Traditionally, consulting firms they have people who have MBAs, people who do accounting. Uh, very few, I think, at the time, uh, people who were having technical degrees. So I ended up doing actually a lot of the life science uh, uh, work and also um, uh, public sector work. And and I distinctly remember, I think that a um, one of the partners was saying, like, you know, you should consider, you know, focusing on healthcare and education. So. Right. Um, and, um, and when I got my opportunity, um, to do my postgraduate degree, I thought, you know, everybody is doing an MBA. It sounds kind of boring. Um, so, so I said, you know, if I'm interested in health, I should do a master's in public health. So I managed to convince Maxis to sponsor me to go to the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Um, and I took a sabbatical from BCG, um, to do that. And when I came back, I realized, you know, I don't think that, um, I want to continue in consulting. That I think that there are skills that I need to learn, like, uh, you know, in operations. And so I moved to Sunway Group and
0: started there. Right. And actually, it all kind of fits in together, right? I mean, that background in science. and and management as well to to what you're doing right now right so so I guess who knew and you know you did (laughs) now um, okay most of your your career has been in healthcare right and why do you feel that this has been a, a calling for you I think it's really because it's a combination of a few
1: things firstly the science um, so you know, I still love um, reading up about what's the latest technology in in, the, in in medicine and things like that. But it's also very people um, business. Um, healthcare is about helping people. That is really something that I resonate with, um, and it is complex. So it's not boring. Um, there are a lot of uh, different things that go into a healthcare system uh, in terms of the complexities, even from supply chain or engineering to uh, financing to just making sure that people are safe, you know, that our nurses are safe when they come to work, that the patients are safe. Um, and so it's never boring. And, and I think when I, when I joined Sunway group, it was ideal because they had an education arm and a healthcare arm. And I said, okay, you know, I'll spend one year in healthcare and then, you know, move on to education, see what I like. Um, but I moved into the hospital and that was it. Like I knew this is what I wanted to do. And, um, and so, yeah, so I was relatively lucky that I had these opportunities and, um, yeah, and, and you just get that feeling that, you know, this is something you're passionate about. And I right. always tell young people, like, what is it that you do in your spare time when there's nobody, like, right. forcing you to do something, right? Like, I tend to still read articles about health, about COVID, what's happening. Right. And so so I know that, you know, it's, it's my passion that I would put in the additional effort, even if my boss didn't expect me to, because this is something that I really like.
0: Right. And, and go what goes into, you know, I guess, managing and leading... Uh, a hospital uh, hospitals right now uh, pre pandemic and, and- now during a pandemic? Well,
1: you know, the weird thing is that healthcare administration is very slowly becoming professionalized. Like in the past, there was no job description about who would be a healthcare CEO. It was a very non-traditional path. Uh, And now we have programs like Masters of Healthcare Administration increasingly um, because they recognize that there's a particular skill set that you need to to have. Uh, And really what goes into it is that think of it as a combination of manufacturing because you have to run a plant um, that goes 24/7, no breakdowns, zero downtime. Um, and then you have to think about it as a service industry because um, you know patients come in, and increasingly they come in expecting an experience like what they would get at a Hilton, right? Like I want to check in. Why is it taking so long? Why is my food like not nice and blah blah blah? Um, but then there's also that very complex part, like with COVID, um, you know, infection control clinical safety, governance, uh, incidents, um, things that we need to respond uh, to in a very, very rapid manner. And um, you can see that globalization actually has an impact, right? Uh, Impact on our supply chain, impact on disease patterns. Um, So yeah, so it actually requires you to be kind of like a generalist and being interested in many uh, different things and trying to juggle many balls um, at the
0: same time. Right. And what about the the set of TMC Life Sciences, right? The the reason we set up, what's its vision and mission?
1: Right. So the group uh, aims to be an integrated health platform of choice. So what happens is that we have businesses in uh, different parts of the healthcare industry. So we have hospitals. We also have specialist clinics, uh, in particular, uh, under the TMC Fertility brand. We have six uh, specialist IVF branches located across Malaysia that provide fertility services. We also have Thompson TCM, which is uh, the Chinese medicine arm. Mm. And uh, that is running complementary to the services we provide in the hospital and also for fertility and also TMC Care Pharmacy. And what we're looking at is that these entities, which are brick and mortar entities, are actually forming the base or the anchor for us to then... Um, integrate, collect data, innovate new services that branch the life cycle of our patients. So, for example, uh, a fertility patient, for example, um, would come in for TCM treatment pre-IVF because uh, studies have shown that acupuncture can increase uh, success rates of pregnancy. Um, They go through the IVF and, you know, they deliver at the hospital. We take care of them uh, as they go through their journey. And all that time, you know, we're trying to build a... A data backbone uh, right. that allows us to serve these customers seamlessly, that allows us to bring the experience to them personally, that allows us to, um, you know, collect some data and understand them better in order for us to innovate and provide them better services.
0: Right course, yeah, When you have the baby, then you will need the pediatrician. You need the gynecologist. You'll need yes. everybody else. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. That life cycle. Now, um, you know, is medical tourism also something you know that uh, TMC was was looking at?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, pre-COVID, uh, up to twenty to thirty percent, actually, depending on the location um, of our branches, was uh, actually on medical tourism. So, in particular, I think in Malaysia. Uh, Penang and Johor, so we have uh, um, uh, TMC fertility branches in Penang and Johor, they were seeing upwards of 50% of their patients coming in from neighboring countries, Indonesia and Singapore. And, um, you know, all that has uh, stopped. So they're basically just treating the local patients now with a very minor uh, percentage of medical tourists. But definitely this is a trend. Um, Malaysia has been purposefully developing medical tourism market as a key uh, economic sector. Uh, and, um, you know, we were also receiving patients from China and in, in KL. And, um, I think that post COVID, we will probably see this trend pick up in a very rapid manner. And unfortunately, um, healthcare workers have been at the blunt edge of COVID. And we know that in our, um, fellow neighboring countries, like Indonesia and some Indochina countries, um, they have had a lot of healthcare workers who have either burned out or succumbed to COVID. And it has weakened their healthcare infrastructure. And we know that, you know, once this is over, I think that we will need some uh, they will need uh, um, to access um, perhaps health services in other countries to cover up or uh, make up for um, the loss that they've faced,
0: unfortunately. And of course, mental health. Right. Uh, we'll talk about the other roles uh, you fill in just a moment. I'm here with Nadia Wan. Stay tuned to Her Advantage, BFM 89.9. Backing feminist movements. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. You're listening to Her Vantage. In this way, we speak to women of influence leadership. I'm here with Nadia Wan, who is the CEO of Thompson Hospital. Uh, Kota Damasara, Group uh, CEO of TMC Life Sciences Berhad, Director of the Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia, and mentor with Endeavour Malaysia. We'll talk about uh, you as the Director of the Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia. You know, what are some of the directions uh, happening there? You know, and why are you involved? Right. So obviously, the
1: Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia is really about you know uplifting the standards of uh, directorship, particularly independent directors in Malaysia. And we've seen very recently like the um, controversies around Serba Dynamic. Um, right, So there's clear need, I think um, uh, for um, uh, people directors to understand the responsibilities. You know, the Malaysian Code of Corporate Governance has uh, uh, been issued. And uh, we are trying to move ourselves to um, uh, a direction more in line uh, with developed uh, countries. So a few things. First thing is on the diversity of directorships. So ICDM has published a study. We know that there are very few directors who are below the age of sixty very few female directors. And um, this age and gender diversity is really important because when companies are dealing with crises and they need diverse opinions, it only makes sense to have that diversity reflected in the board composition. Um, So one of our missions is to really uh, improve on the diversity of boards in Malaysia. So for example, we are now looking at placing candidates who have experience in uh, sustainability, in ESG, because this is uh, increasingly becoming a priority for companies, companies like Sime Darby, right? So so that is uh, one thing. The other thing is also looking at directorships and governance of SMEs who form a large proportion of our corporate landscape. And traditionally in Malaysia and many Asian countries, these companies can be family owned, Um, founder owned and run uh, and sometimes there are issues with governance there and how do we bring them into the fold and sort of educate them or raise awareness on the types of governance um, that they need to be looking at, perhaps some areas that they should be looking into. Um, we also have, you know, startups. So uh, our other director, our new director is Joel Nyo, and he's really bringing in, in his um, uh, inputs in terms of how startups who are, uh, you know, receiving not to say public, public money, but money from other people and therefore right. governance uh, is, is really important
0: there too. Right. And they'll be receiving, you know, in the millions, right? Uh, Or billions, as it were, (laughs) uh, in U.S. dollars. Um, You know, and this this thing, very interesting, you were saying about how we don't have enough of the age and gender diversity. Is that very much, uh, to your knowledge, a Malaysian issue?
1: No, it's definitely not a Malaysian issue, right? Because, you know, the 30% club is worldwide. Yeah. Um, And it really boils down to the network. Because I think increasingly, I mean, in the past, people appointing directors to the company has, you know, they, they look at the people that they know, um, you know, within their circle of acquaintances, which whether intentionally or not tend to reflect the same kind of people. And so with the new Malaysian Code of Corporate Governance, you can see that they're trying to make, um, you know, director sourcing more independent, uh, more objective, widening a pool of candidates. How do we develop? a candidate. So um, ICDM has this aspiring directors immersion program, right? So how do we bring in non-traditional people? So for example, people with um, sustainability background, you know, they, they may be working, uh, you know, uh, in sustainability, but uh, not really exposed to the, the corporate side, corporate governance side. So bringing them in, upskilling them so that they become good candidates to be placed on boards, uh, of companies in
0: Malaysia. Right. Uh, so tell me about your involvement with Endeavor Malaysia, another one, uh, another role that you're filling.
1: Yeah, I'm really embarrassed to say that I have not really been contributing as much to Endeavor as I should. Right. But I'm excited that Endeavor is uh, focusing, I think, on healthcare increasingly, as an area to develop startups, and the reason is because I uh, and I you know I've shared this with with the team at Endeavor, and they're currently running a uh, a contest to actually um, identify and fund startups who are looking at solving the problem of healthy aging yes. in Malaysia, yes. right? So so a lot of the problems that we will face as a country are related in some way to health, whether it is aging, whether it is um, maybe after this you know, living with long COVID, mental health impacts, a lot of big problems, right? That we need young, motivated entrepreneurs to find innovative solutions to. And um, so I think like my, my role with Endeavor was really just trying to open their eyes to what was the possibilities. Because when people talk about health tech, um, they often think about like maybe telehealth platforms or they think about, you um, uh, you know, uh, a platform that's directly B2C, but actually there's also a very big B2B component, right? So within healthcare, you, you always are dealing with complex systems. And to make those complex systems more productive, more effective, um, technology can also bridge those gaps. So, for example, I was just sharing with the CEO of um, UEM Magenta, and I was saying, like, you know, we need porters to deliver patients to different departments, like, you know, from x-ray to the ward and things like that, Uh, bring drugs because, um, you know, we can't uh, send them through the um, uh, normal pneumatic tube system. Uh, So, maybe we should have like a grab app for our porters, right? We, someone can request um, a porter can fulfill the requests. We can track their productivity, how much time they take, how many jobs they fulfill and pay them accordingly. And he was like, oh, Yo, you know, we can do something like that. Um, you know, work together, come up with something. So, so there are a lot of these like opportunities in terms of, I feel like productivity. And if, um uh productivity boosters um that that i think that people don't generally associate with health tech um and so it's just me trying to like give them the insider view about like you know if i was a ceo i would pay money for this because in the long run it would make sense for me
0: and it's interesting i know i know this is something that endeavor is doing together with kazana and magic as well so that is going to be very interesting when we come up these solutions to you know because the aging population is is upon us um i, I don't know you said that you know um, um, if you've had any dealings with entrepreneurs uh through endeavor and you know like what what and i know these are high impact entrepreneurs when when you when you work with them and you talk to them you, you know what what have you seen have been some blind spots with entrepreneurs so maybe not just in endeavor but generally like i guess where you're coming from as well the, the blind spots that entrepreneurs might have
1: I suppose like where I, I'm coming from a mindset of a company that is scaling, right? So that is building governance structures, processes, systems, and where they're at usually is at what we call the, trying to nail it, right? right the right. nailing, and, scaling. And, and, and processes uh, thing. is like last <laughs> yeah. my mind, right? Exactly. So what I try and I like focus them on is, you know, how is this going to work sustainably sustainably right. in the long term because it's very painful i think that transition yes to from a startup to having a process and it can take you know two to three years and they find that you know they're losing people um you know things don't seem to be working as well as it used to um you know you have to deal with things like hr and no. uh, <laughs> you know accounting uh, the, the financial obligations and things like that so for me, it's just like trying to like uh, paint or, or push them rather to think about, um, what governance and uh, uh, processes would they need to consider in the long term in order to make this um, sustainable? And mm-hmm. most of the time, that you know, when they say high impact, they've kind of like sort of figured out what they want to do. They have mm-hmm. a product, they have a service, they know the customer. And really, where they need help is really in expanding the network, um, considering things that they may not have thought of, or uh, putting them in touch with people that may, they may not have uh, contacts with, or even. just giving them a test bit uh, sometimes um, in terms of uh, trying out the product, right? So it's like a win-win, like I'm looking for something new and they have something new and then, you know, we can uh, uh, sort of test that out. So, so those are the kind of things that I think, um, uh, you know, mentors can bring. To, to
0: Endeavor. Right. And, I, you know, like having been part of, of a startup myself, right, I can see how, yes, we just want to get this going when it gets going. And then when it grows a little bit bigger, there are issues, right? There are issues with processes. There are issues with HR, like all these things that you mentioned. And and although it, it shouldn't be seen as hampering your growth, but actually enhancing your growth. And I think if you have a plan to exit, you know, companies will need to see these processes in place if you don't have these things in place yeah, um, and I guess just as a final question. You know, your vision for what you want to do with with PMC. Uh, where do you you know Where do you want to take this organization?
1: So we're passionate about you know, like I said, building a healthcare ecosystem. So um, if you look at the trends in healthcare, it's less about building more and more hospitals, but it's more about decentralization. Um, it's about understanding your customer better and creating new opportunities for growth and really that's where we want to play. Of course the entities or assets that we have we want them to be best in class. So if we build a hospital it will be a big tertiary comprehensive hospital. This you know we don't see uh, the in between being a very viable uh, space anymore particularly with with covid, right? So for example like I would most people would only really go to a hospital right now if they really, really needed to. And if I if I needed to go to a hospital, I would want to go to a hospital, which has basically everything. So I don't have to keep going to different uh, institutions. And uh, and the decentralization of services is really, uh, really important. And figuring out new business models about how we work with the public sector, which has really come out with COVID. Um, and I hope we'll continue on after, um, you know, with with survive this wave um, to really innovate about how we can provide sustainable value-based healthcare care um, uh, to our patients using technology as a backbone and then innovating products and services for our customers so that we can take care of them uh, throughout their life cycle from prevention, which is really important when we
0: talk about costs, um, all the way to the end. All right. Uh, All the best. I've been speaking to Nadia Wan from TMC, and you've been listening to Her Vantage on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.